Okay, so uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, did you have a good weekend? Had a great weekend. There was some great football on. Uh, Oklahoma State was on by, which means I was not driving to Stillwater and back, which means I spent many, many hours sitting in a chair, staring at a rectangle that was showing me football, and I loved every second of it. Staring at a rectangle. I never heard it put that way. <laughs> uh, I, don't need, I don't actually even know where that came from. I just made that up off the top of my head on a Monday morning. Yeah, it was. it's always interesting when, when one of the state schools are off and – this week happened to be OU Texas when Oklahoma State was off. And obviously much of the focus was on that game. And I, I think we'll talk more in this show about the spot that OSU gets Texas in. It's fantastic. But uh, before we get to all of that, let's go to Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Get your gear ready. Uh, we got a big season of football still underway. And then we got basketball season as well. Mike Boyden and company will be underway before you know it. So get to Chris's, and they'll hook you up with anything you need, gear-wise, school-wise, you name it. Uh, we appreciate Chris's sponsoring the podcast. Well, Colby, let's just let's just start with OU Texas. I mean, we're not going to break down the whole game, but, I mean, this game was critical in terms of the Big 12 title race. I mean, Texas now has a, a loss in conference play. If Oklahoma State were to beat them in Austin, you'd think they'd be eliminated. But Man, that game is always pretty wild. It's always a close game. They haven't had a blowout in that game since 2012, but this one was probably the craziest one yet. Yeah, it was pure insanity. I mean, from the start, which everything went Texas away for a while, and then Spencer Rattler comes out, and it was just pure energy from Oklahoma whenever Caleb Williams came in, uh, the long touchdown run, the couple of long passes. Um, it was absolutely electric. Honestly, Oklahoma State probably would have rather had Texas win that game because Oklahoma State, if they are able to make it to Jerry's world, would like to play anyone other than Oklahoma, just based on the, the track record that Oklahoma State has against Oklahoma. So you probably would have rather seen Texas win that game uh, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, but who knows? That stuff's six, seven games down the road. Don't know if Oklahoma State's going to be there. You got to take care of your own business before you start worrying about who you're going to play if you do. So uh, it was a great game. I'll say this. True freshman quarterback playing in his first big-time collegiate game. The defensive coordinator for Texas, I don't even know who their D.C. is right now. I'd have to Google it. Um, I don't know who it is off the top of my head. That was the worst defensive game plan I've seen in my life in that second half. They rushed either three or four on every play. I don't think they blitzed the entire second half. And they just let Caleb Williams stand there for six seconds and then heave it 50 yards to Marvin Mims, who still, with no blitzers, no pass rush, only had one guy on him at all times in the second half. It was a mind-numbing second-half game plan for Texas defensively, and it got them beat, as it should have. Yeah, their coordinator came from Washington. Uh, I can't pronounce his last name, but, but I was listening to Teddy Lehman and, and Gabe Eichert, their podcast, and, and Teddy, you know, he knows defense far more than I do. He said it was shocking, their game plan in the second half. I guess they were – you said they didn't blitz, and that you're right, didn't feel like they did. He said they were overly aggressive. He said they were running a lot of cover zero instead of, you know, they usually run cover two, cover three, to where they were leaving their their back end on an island. And they even ran, you know, the Caleb Williams' first touchdown run. They're running a, a very aggressive, like, four-six bear-type defense to where if you miss a tackle like that, he's gone. And that's exactly what happened. Like So they were 
they were kind of aggressive more in their coverages than their blitzes. And man, oh, you just absolutely exploited them. And and I was a little ahead of the curve on this. I, I tweeted during halftime in the Nebraska game that OU was so terrible at running the football, they had to put in Caleb Williams just to as a changeup and to get him to run the football with the, the extra blocker. We see that with Spencer Sanders so often. He's so effective running the football because you get the extra blocker. Uh, they have to account for him and the running back on zone read concepts. And Caleb Williams really just reignited their running game, and that's that's why they have to go with him. So it's it'll be interesting to see who ends up playing quarterback once Bedlam rolls around at the end of the year because I don't, I don't think it's just going to be the Caleb Williams show for the rest of the year. I mean, he is a true freshman. And I know he, he looked awesome in that game. I know he was the number one quarterback in the country. But he's going to make some mistakes, too. And Rattler might be the better thrower over a course of a four-quarter game. We'll have to wait and see. But OU's in some, uh, some shakeup well before Bedlam. Yeah, like you said, I think Texas was aggressive in all the wrong ways defensively on Saturday. They were aggressive uh, in their coverages, leaving guys, you know, exposed on the back end, but they still were not getting any pressure. That's that's the problem. They weren't getting any pressure on Caleb Williams. I will say I would be pretty surprised if it's not 90% Caleb Williams moving forward. I, I just – players know. Like, players know who the better guy is, and – it's pretty clear that they have a level of respect for Caleb Williams and they're willing to go to battle for Caleb Williams the way in a way that they weren't willing to for Spencer Rattler. Um, I think it's been, I think we have a large enough sample size right now to recognize that Spencer Rattler maybe is not the best leader. Maybe he's a little bit immature at this point in his life. And until he grows out of that, he's going to struggle to be a leader of men because being a, a quarterback at the highest level of collegiate football or in the NFL, it's about more than being able to throw a football. It's about being able to lead men and rally them to want to play around you. And that's what Caleb Williams did. I think that Lincoln Riley would lose some respect in that locker room if he were to go back to Spencer Rattler. And maybe it's some sort of two-quarterback system. But when one guy is that much better for your offense than the other guy, I don't know how you switch back and have the respect of your team. So I'm expecting a lot more Caleb Williams the rest of the season. And I'll be honest with you. I think that's bad news for the rest of the Big 12 because that offense looked a lot more like a Lincoln-Riley offense. Yeah, it certainly did. And, and you're right. Like, when Williams scored that first touchdown, that sideline just erupted. You could tell they just love Caleb Williams. I All mean, but one guy. All yeah. but one guy was stoked. <laughs> right. And you're right about the leadership thing. Like, look, I don't I don't know how the team truly feels about Rattler versus Williams. I, I just – I watched that sideline explode. And then I watched Rattler, when he threw his interception, just show up his receiver yet again. He, he tried to blame it on Stogner. And, you know, Gabe and Teddy were were 1,000% convinced it was, it was Rattler's fault. And there he is in the middle of the Cotton Bowl, you know, gesturing at his receiver that it was his fault. I mean, that's just that's just not – it's not a good look. It's just not to show up your receiver like that when it was your mistake. And so maybe things like that have built up to where, you know, he, he's – He's not the most favorite quarterback on the roster because it certainly didn't look like that on the sideline on, on Saturday. So uh, Oklahoma, though, Colby, their, their secondary got lit. I mean, that's 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 appealing for OSU fans when you think about Tay Martin uh, running some deep patterns, Jaden Bray <laughs> running some deep patterns against Oklahoma. As great as the win was for OU, they, they still got some issues on defense, particularly in their secondary. Oh, yeah, they definitely do. It's it's not a juggernaut Oklahoma team. Are they the best team in the Big 12 and the favorite moving forward? Yes, they should be. Again, until they're dethroned, they have to be the favorite. But this is not a juggernaut uh, OU defense. And 
I think that we thought that they were going to be better coming into the year maybe than than they have been. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they were good against West Virginia. They, they kept that game pretty, pretty solid. Uh, they were okay against Kansas State, but they got obliterated by Texas, and most of it came in the first half. Uh, there were some big plays that maybe they can clean some of that stuff up, but I certainly don't think it's, you know, Oklahoma in a runaway in this conference, but they are the favorites until they're dethroned. I think that they'll be better with Caleb Williams. Uh, I mean, let's, let's face facts. We're halfway through the season. OU hasn't won a game by more than a touchdown. Yeah, they did. They won the uh, the Kansas State game by 10. Uh, but that's their largest margin of victory. But nope, guess nope, what? No, nope, no, nope. They only beat K-State by six or seven. They, they've oh, all, they? had, all their wins except for their FCS opponent were single-digit wins. Okay, okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're not some sort of juggernaut that's been blowing people out. But we see it so often with OU. OSU always has to play in the last week in November. They always have it figured out by then. They get away with it the first half of the season. They play no. very average for half the season, but they win. They sneak by with all these close wins, and then by the end of the year, they have it figured out, and they're a well-oiled machine. It's I've seen this movie before. I know how it ends. They haven't lost in November in like since like Lincoln Riley got there. <laughs> I mean, that's and that's when Oklahoma State obviously <laughs> plays them every year, which stinks because they always lose in September to some twenty-one point underdog. You know, uh, OSU did play them earlier last year, didn't they? That was. That wasn't in November. I think that might have been an October game. Um, was that or last year or the year before? I can't remember. They played in Norman not the last year, and I'll, I'll look it up. But um, you're right. I mean, they, they just they tend to figure it out by the end of the year, so you wish they would play them sooner. But but I'm with you. They're, they're not the juggernaut we thought they were going to be. They're just not. I mean, the single-digit wins you brought up. But I will say this. In the second half against Texas – their defensive line looked like what we kind of thought their defense would look like. That's that's really what won them the game, Colby. I thought, and Brian Keating and I were talking about that yesterday. Just their defensive line would had Casey Thompson on the ground every time he would drop back, or he would have to, you know, scramble. And their their defensive line, I think, is starting to look. It certainly did in the second half when they moved Isaiah Thomas inside. It's starting to look more like that dominant uh, unit that we we kind of thought they would be. That that's the one thing I would be concerned with. Um, as, as an OSU perspective. Yeah, definitely. They improved and they seem to be improving. And this is, I mean, it kind of goes back to what I'm talking about. They figure it out as they go. That first half was brutal. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. But the second half, the defense actually held up pretty well, made Casey Thompson uh, uncomfortable most of the second half. He did not have clean pockets to throw from. So uh, we'll see if they drop one between now and Bedlam. But I'll tell you what, after watching that game, watching the TCU game a couple weeks ago, I am really excited to see Oklahoma State square off with Texas because I think that this has the makings of what could be a really good football game. And could you have a better spot? I don't think you could draw up a better spot on the entire schedule than what they're getting. You get Texas after the biggest game on their schedule every single year. It was an absolute war. I mean, it was the highest scoring game in the history of the, the series. It was like a 98 degrees on – uh, temperature but the field level had to be over 100 uh emotional loss you got to wake up early on saturday and play at 11 a.m it helps that oklahoma state's ranked 12th in the country from a texas perspective that'll get them up for the game clearly but it's just they're human beings colby isn't this like an unbelievable spot for osu absolutely it is i mean we talked about it last week you wanted the game against ou to be crazy you wanted it to be so emotionally draining that they do not want to get out of bed and practice. They do not want to get out of bed to watch film, to, uh, to, to watch film, to play you on Saturday. And they're not going to want to get out of bed. I mean, that was such 
a heartbreaking way to lose that game, a borderline embarrassing way to lose that game after the big lead that you had built. Then you let the true freshman come in. Your fans were chanting, we want Caleb at pregame, thinking they were cute, and then they got exactly what they asked for. Your Twitter account still hasn't sent out a tweet since the last touchdown that Texas scored in the game on Saturday. I mean, it was pretty embarrassing and now you've got to get yourself motivated to get back out there and have a good week of practice to prepare for a good OSU team on Saturday. This is a great spot to catch what has to be an emotionally drained Texas team. Yep. And OSU's coming off a bye on top of that. They've had a whole week to get ready for Texas. And they got to, they really, you know, because Texas can't hold anything back when they're playing Oklahoma offensively. So Jim Knowles and his staff get to watch Texas throw the kitchen sink at Oklahoma. And same thing on the other side of the football as well. So it's it's a great spot. I mean, Jalen Warren too is was on is on pace for 300 carries this year, so he gets a rest. You, just, you can't ask for a better spot for Oklahoma State, that's for sure. And and I gotta say this, Colby, I was I was pretty impressed with Texas. You know, I I said when they hired Sarkeesian, a lot of people scoffed at it. I said I think Sarkeesian will at least figure out the offensive side, and that's been Texas's biggest problem is. They can't keep up scoring with other teams like in Oklahoma or even Oklahoma State because they don't have a dynamic quarterback and they certainly haven't had any dynamic playmakers. But now that that Xavier Worthy kid was recruited by Alabama when Sarkeesian was there, he has 261 receiving yards. Bijan Robinson looked like the best player on the field in the first half. Looks like the best running back in the country. Uh, Texas is at least figuring out things on the offensive side of the football, and that's that's pretty scary for the rest of the Big 12 once Sarkeesian gets Texas going. Although, I guess, hey, he's going to the SEC anyway, so who cares? Right, exactly. That's, by the way, the SEC chants on game day were hilarious. Um, <laughs> there were a few SEC chants in the stadium. That was hilarious, especially considering the entire fan base as a whole all said, OU and Texas, we will never chant SEC. Yeah, took you six weeks. Took you <laughs> six weeks to start chanting SEC. Enjoy it. Enjoy your SEC. Enjoy your Red River. We, uh, You will not be missed. Well, speaking of them going to the SEC, Brian and I were also talking about this, and it's it's really true. Like, So I went and watched Braylon Presley on Friday night, Bixby against Choctaw. It was the game of the year, and Bixby won 70-7. to I told you. I'll let Choctaw it fumbled it five times. I mean, that's once that happens, you're going to get blown out. But the simple fact is Braylon Presley is the best player I've ever seen covering high school football. I've done it for 13 years. It's really not close. I mean, he looks like Reggie Bush playing against a, an FCS school. Just He took the first play, like 75 yards untouched, got called back, called back for holding, takes a slant on the very next play, like 80 yards for a touchdown untouched. Like, and this is the best team he's going to play all year. It's just – it's unbelievable. But so when I was kind of trying to – compare him to other greats from the state i looked up some you know the, the state players of the year over the last 20 years and back in the early 90s and stuff you know it's rocky calmus it's Kiwan jones all these players are going to ou but the last five six seven years osu's been getting the best player out of state and they're going to do it again with braylon presley and, and brian and i were talking about just the sec thing oklahoma recruiting nationally particularly in florida and california where they're at a lot nowadays has really helped Oklahoma State's in-state recruiting. I mean, they're getting the best player. Like the kid from Beggs last year, what's his name? Daniels. They, they get him. He was committed to AM, switches to yep. Oklahoma State. And on down the line, the Shetron twins now this year. And you, you, you go Kevin Peterson's of the world. You know, they're getting top-tier talent out of the state of Oklahoma, in addition to what they normally do in the state of Texas. 
And I think that's going to go even further, Colby, once they're in the SEC, because that's going to open even more avenues for OU to get higher ranked kids in the state of Georgia, uh, maybe Louisiana, certainly Texas, Florida, and the places they normally recruit. But I just think that's that's really helped OSU's recruiting. They're recruiting some big time kids now, not only just from the Oklahoma, but the the Gordon kid, the running back at Texas. I saw Adam Lunt tweeting he's like a top 10 player in the state. Gundy really has upped his recruiting uh, in terms of the bigger fish that he's going for, in addition to the in-state recruiting improving due to Oklahoma and, and OSU doing their own things. Yeah, it's hard to deny that there's a correlation between OU's recruiting becoming more national and Oklahoma State having more success regionally in Oklahoma and in Texas, and that benefits Oklahoma State because, I mean, like you said, Braylon Presley is so, so good. Ollie Gordon is so, so good. And, I mean, these are kids that, you know, probably weren't going to OU because OU, like you said, they're going to get a kid from California, Florida, still getting a bunch of kids from Texas, stuff like that, but they're recruiting much more nationally, and that's helped Oklahoma State. It'll be interesting to see, you know, Ollie Gordon and Braylon Presley both coming in. I mean, those are playmakers, need the ball in their hands. You don't know about early in their careers, but, I mean, at some point you could have Brennan and Braylon on the field at the time, Ollie Gordon out there with them at the same time. Dominic Richardson is still very young. So, skill players at Oklahoma State, you got the Shetron twins coming in. That's another Green twins. Yeah, the green twins coming in. Uh, gosh, all the, all the twins. Um, yeah, I mean, the recruiting, and a lot of it's been on the offensive side of the ball, which is good for Oklahoma State in the position that they're in. They've obviously recruited well on defense. That side of the ball is looking like a well-oiled machine right now. More skill guys you can get on offense, the better, because, uh, I mean, we've seen a couple of those, those guys go down, and all of a sudden you're running the offense that you ran at Boise State. That's a tough offense. By the way, Boise State just – slacked BYU on Saturday. Looks pretty good. That. Yeah, looks pretty good for the Cowboys. Also, Baylor. Baylor obliterated West Virginia. Wasn't even close. That game was over halfway through the first quarter, and Oklahoma State just manhandled that Baylor team, so that looks pretty good, too. That Boise win, big time. I mean, that, that helps Oklahoma State's, you know, resume. I mean, I don't know how much their resume is going to come into play, but it's certainly that's that's – that's a good sign for OSU having won that game on the road against Boise and they go into BYU, a team I respect, and, and just beat the brakes off of them. I don't know what's going on with the Big 12. Like, West Virginia and Texas Tech are just psycho teams. I mean, the fact – I was shocked that Tech beat West Virginia. I, I would never would have picked that. And West Virginia gets their doors blown off by, by Baylor. My, my prediction of West Virginia finishing in the top half of the Big 12 is not looking very good. Now, I picked them fifth. I didn't pick them, like, third or anything, but – I thought they were better than that, but their 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 doors are falling off. Yeah, they absolutely are. The Big Twelve is weird, and it's going to get a little chaotic. I think. I think that there's going to be some cannibalizing inside the Big Twelve the last half of this season. I think that uh, OU. I mean, I think really highly of Caleb Williams. OU might be exempt from from the cannibalizing within the conference, but everybody further down the list. I mean, even Oklahoma State, there are a lot of games that are going to be toss-ups. I think Texas is a toss-up. I think TCU is a toss-up. I think Iowa State is a toss-up. OU's probably not a toss-up. That's probably an 80-20 proposition. But there are a lot of games that could go either way, and there are a lot of games down the list in the conference that are like that. Tech, TCU, uh, West Virginia, Baylor, um, Iowa State, Texas. I think these are all teams that we still don't really know whether they're good and how good they are, and it's middle of October, so – uh, the second half of the Big 12 season could get a little wild. Yeah, and I just I don't think OSU is good enough offensively to blow anybody out. So I think they're all going to be close games slash slash toss ups. Even even though I don't think teams like TCU are very good, I just I just think you know we've seen how these these game scripts kind of go for OSU. Their offense tends to 
to struggle and their defense just wins the game for them. Um, but Colby, I do need to fall on my sword a little bit here, you know, back after through two games of the season, I was about done with my Gundy now. And people misconstrued that they said I was calling for him to be fired. I wasn't, I was just, as a, as a fan watching the games, I was ready for some new blood. Just, it didn't feel like Oklahoma state had really come close to the heights they reached in 2011. Felt like the program was on a downward track more than an upward track. Well, the recruiting is a lot better. I'll, I'll give Mike credit for that. They're five and zero for the first time since 2015. And he's making me look pretty dumb. So I got to give Mike Gundy credit for that. And case in point, OSU has now reached the top 15 of the AP poll at some point in 12 of the past 14 season. And this week's number 12 ranking marks their highest since 2020 in October 31st when they ranked sixth in the country. So that's a pretty outstanding level of consistency, 12 of the last 14 seasons. Uh, so that's that's pretty impressive for Mike Gundy. I will say this, Colby. Do you think they're more – I think they're closer to that 2015 team when they started 10-0 and and then they got just boat raced by Baylor and, and Oklahoma in the year just in terms of their overall talent level than they are like maybe the 2013 team that should have won the Big 12, certainly the 2011 team. Do you think they're – do you think they're certainly Big 12 caliber, Big 12 championship caliber? Or do you think they, it's just a case where they haven't really played the big dogs yet in the, in the conference? Yeah, I think they're probably just a tier below what I would consider a conference championship caliber team. The offense just, there's very little explosion to the offense. It's just kind of chip away, methodical, try to just limit everything and manage the game and maybe your defense will get a bunch of stops. Uh, and you can win a lot of games that way. And, they have, and we'll continue to win some games that way. But I don't know that I see them as a legitimate conference championship winning team. Now, again, behind OU, I think it's very much up for grabs as to who that second team in Jerry's world is. I think it could be Iowa State, OSU, uh, Texas. Those would be probably my three favorites to get to Jerry's world. It wouldn't shock me if Oklahoma State got there. It would shock me if they got there and knocked OU off in that big of a game. Um, but – like you said, Mike Gundy, the Mike Gundy experience is such a roller coaster experience. And over the last five years, it, it's been such a roller coaster. Rudolph Washington, that final season, it's like when everything is great and all the expectations are high, then comes the underachievement. You lose three home games that year. And then you have Corn Dog and things are kind of okay. Spencer Sanders, you know, probably uh, has fallen short of expectations just because of his turnover issues at Oklahoma State. But obviously, uh, the, the book on his career is not closed. It has been the absolute Mike Gundy roller coaster for the last five years. And I don't know when we're getting off that roller coaster. Every time it seems like you're at the peak, you start going down. Every time it seems like you're at the valley and the ride's almost over, then you go back up another hill. So I, I really, I don't know what to make of, uh, of the last five years of Gundy at Oklahoma state. It's every time you think it's going one way, it flips and it goes the other way. Yeah. And I think he's earned the right to coach as long as he wants. I, I want to make that clear, but, uh, got to give him credit, man. This, uh, things were not looking good at all through two games and, and he buckled down and, and coached them up and schemed a, a, a really good win at Boise and, and now they're they're five and oh for the first time since since 2015 so you got to give him the coaching staff players a ton of credit and Colby I, I love their chances going down to Austin what's what's the point spread at is it five and a half six in favor of Texas yeah it opened at six I'm looking at it right now four and a half oh it's coming down yes it's come down a point and a half since it opened yesterday so the early money is all coming in 
on Oklahoma State. Uh, both juiced about the same. But, yeah, four-and-a-half-point dogs for OSU. I like it a lot better at six, I'll tell you that. But I think Oklahoma State's going to win the game, so uh, I probably won't bet it because Texas is in the weird spot where I do think they're emotionally drained, but could Sarkeesian turn this into some sort of, like, rallying point where let's go out and dominate everybody the rest of the season so we get another chance at Oklahoma Yes, maybe. So I think Oklahoma State will win this game, but I'm certainly not convinced of it. I, I could easily be talked into Texas being a much better offense than Oklahoma State has faced to this point in the season, scoring 35 points, and Oklahoma State isn't able to keep up. I could be talked into that, even though that's not 100% what I see happening. Yeah, I, I really like Oklahoma State in this game, but I will say this. My one concern or one Number one concern for me would be, you know, as great as OSU's defense has been, and they've been outstanding. We've 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 gone over all the numbers throughout the last few weeks. This could be a different challenge, particularly on the back end and the secondary corners, safeties. Their receiving core is pretty good. Now Whittington got hurt. You know, their big bulky receiver that Texas loves to throw to in, in shorter routes. But Xavier Worthy had 261 yards. He's pure electricity uh, as far as a receiver goes. This is going to be by far their biggest challenge from a quarterback and receivers and certainly B. John Robinson that this defense has seen. So I'm curious to see, can they be as dominant as they've been against the Kansas States and Baylors of the world on the road at Texas? That's going to be a big challenge because let's face it, Colby, last year they go to Norman, <laughs> they got run right through on the first two drives of the game. I mean, it was, it, it was like a hot knife through butter against this vaunted OSU defense. And so I'm curious to see if they can they can be as dominant as they have been so far this year. Yeah, I, I don't know if they will be or not. I, we would be speculating. I love this defense. I love Jim Knowles. Uh, I certainly don't think that Oklahoma State is just going to sit back and uh, not pin their ears back. That's what I love about Jim Knowles. Jim Knowles is like, you know what? I might get beat, but I'm going to get beat with seven guys in your lap. And it's, it's just so much fun to watch him dial up different kinds of blitzes at the right time, make quarterbacks uncomfortable. And I do think we'll see some of that with Casey Thompson. Uh, but one thing you're not going to be able to do against Texas, you can't lose the turnover battle by three and expect to go down there and beat Texas in Austin. Um, I think if Oklahoma State plays a clean game, which they are capable of, then Oklahoma State will win this game. But we don't know if it'll be clean. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. That, I talked about the Mike Gundy experience, that's the Spencer Sanders experience. He throws it to his team. They're probably going to win. He throws it to the horns. They're probably going to lose. Just kind of have to accept that going in. It really is that simple now. I mean, with the way their defense is played, with their skill talent on offense, it really just comes down to Sanders turning the ball over. I mean, he's got 23 picks and 24 career games. I mean, that's just that's just life. That's just how it's been. That's That's what happened against Texas last year when they were – going up and down the field on them and turnovers from Sanders really kept them in the game. And then we all know the, the punt block roughing the punter My by the way, Cole, my, my dad texts me every time OSU rushes the punter and, and just says how stupid it is. He texted me twice. Uh, the last time they played at home, we're just like, just rush the punter again, stupid, just trying to get a roughing the call and give the ball back to their team against Baylor when Baylor can't do anything on offense. And he's right. Like, just don't even rush the punter. Like, just take, get the ball back in your hands. I, 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 I'm, I still have PTSD, and clearly my dad still does too. Uh, Carson, that was truly, even talking about it now, it just makes my skin crawl a little bit. I'm okay with rushing the punter if you feel like you've seen something on film, you've seen some sort of gap where you can get a guy through, 
If you think you can block a punt, go after a punt. In the second quarter, on fourth and seven, when your opponent's at their own 27-yard line, don't do it on fourth and 26 from midfield when you're going to win the game. That's what you can't do. That's what drove me nuts last year. I just... It's all about the timing. A blocked punt can create a huge momentum swing in the game. We saw that uh, on Saturday. Uh, saw a blocked punt in the Alabama game as well. They can matter. You've got to pick your battles. Pick your battles. Be smart about it. Uh, boy, I hope we don't have to go through something like what we went through last year with this game. <laughs> Me too, man. Me too. Uh, a couple notes before we get out of here. Uh, Mike Boynton doing open practices around the state. He was at John Marshall High School in Oklahoma City on Sunday. He's doing another open practice uh, up in Tulsa. That's one of uh, they're going to have three practices, I guess, in total, just open to the fans. And Colby, just another sign how much Mike Boynton gets it and how he's drumming up interest in his program, which there is a lot. I mean, they're going to be really good this year. Uh, yeah, Mike Boynton gets it. Mike Boynton gets it. Going to John Marshall for practice yesterday was great. Getting out in the community, creating fans, uh, you know, just letting your fans see you. It's just Mike Boynton gets it. I just, I really hope that the sanctions come down sometime soon. Boynton uh, said that OSU lost a recruit this past spring because of the looming sanctions that needs to get taken care of. But uh, obviously Boynton gets it. He knows what he's doing and Oklahoma state basketball is in a good place. And it's hard to believe how close we are to basketball season. It's boy, it's almost here. Yep. Certainly is Uh credit to, uh, Marshall Scott from Pistols Firing. He was there covering the practice. He's got a couple interviews with, with Mike Boynton and uh, Rondell Walker up on, on the website if you want to check that out. So, yeah, I'm fired up for basketball, man. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. And just, God, they're, they're loaded. They're absolutely loaded. So, uh, PGA Tour, Matthew Wolf. Uh, what did he finish? Second, Colby? I didn't get to watch much of it. He did. Solo second, four shots back of Sung JM's Sunday 62. So, uh, yeah, Wolf was good. He just – he finished second in this tournament last year. He obviously likes this course, TPC Summerlin out in Vegas. But he had a really good answer after the round. Um, he was asked – our old friend Kyle Porter posted this, this quote. He was just asked about the difference uh, between the Matthew Wolf who finished second last year at this tournament and the Matthew Wolf who finished second this year at this tournament. And he said, you know, I'm just um, – I'm more mature. I'm, I'm a lot stronger mentally. I'm able to handle things not going my way a lot better. And it's just – uh, it's, it's been cool to see how open Matthew Wolf has been over the last year about his mental health and some of the stuff that he's gone through. And it's cool to see him playing good golf again and, and thriving once again. So, uh, solo second for him, another Cowboy, Taylor Gooch finishes T11. So good week for a couple of Cowboys and hopefully Matthew Wolf's back in the winner's circle before too long. Yep. I agree. And I want him to keep it going because I want to see him on the next Ryder cup team. That would be so much fun to have Wolf and Hovland going yes. head to head in the Ryder Singles. cup. Singles, Wolfie Hovland, we need it. That would be crazy, wouldn't it? <laughs> OSU versus OSU and singles, Sunday singles. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. That would be pretty cool. Okay, Colby, uh, we'll get back with you later this week. We're going to have a guest to preview OSU versus Texas, and uh, we'll catch up with you then. Should be a great week. Go Pokes. <laughs>